0: Good morning, Rose Bauer. It's good to see everybody. Let's all begin in worship. Let's stand and we'll sing. There's something about that name. good just to sing them words, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's sing, great is thy faithfulness. Uh,
1: The Lord is faithful. Amen and amen. It is good to see here this morning at Rosebower Baptist Church. Thank you for being here. We have a very special um, presentation to make this morning. I want to ask Mitchell and Kelsey Baumgartner if you will come forward. And we're going to present to you for the first time at Rosebower Baptist Church, Miss Kate Holland Baumgartner. Uh, And we are going to pray for her and present her, uh, her first New Testament from Rosebud Baptist Church. We're so thankful um, for this sweet family. Uh, And we're excited for their second child now. And this is Miss Kate Holland we'd like to introduce uh, to you this morning. And she is so precious, sleeping. Yes, absolutely. Well, we are so thankful for you guys, and our prayers are for you and your family on the days going forward, as you get to have such a sweet family, and we're thankful for you guys. God has blessed you in an amazing way, and we are just blessed to have you here at Rosebier and your entire family. Uh, But we are going to pray for you guys and present you with this Bible, if that would be okay. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you so very much for your blessing, for you are the author of all things good, perfect, and holy. And God, we come and we give you praise and thanksgiving for the miracle of this life of Miss Kate. Lord, we thank you for Mitchell and Kelsey, and Lord, how you have bonded them together. Lord, I thank you uh, for the way that you've worked in their lives, Lord, and I thank you for their two kids now, and we just pray that you wrap your loving arms around them and you strengthen them, encourage them as they are parents, um, and and, and raising these two children, Lord, in this world that is very difficult and crazy and chaotic, but God, I know that by the power of your Spirit, you're going to lead them to guide their children in a way that is pleasing to you. And Lord, we come this morning and we pray specifically uh, for Kate, Lord. We pray for her days as she grows. And I pray for each and every milestone that she's able to hit with flying colors, Lord. And I pray that she grows and develops and gains the weight that she needs to. And we pray for the days when she rolls over, when she crawls, when she stands, when she walks. Lord, I pray for the day where she goes to school. And, Lord, I pray for her friends that she may find godly friends with godly families, Lord, that she may develop even here in this this church, God. We thank you for the babies that are here and all the friendships that will be made. Lord, we thank you, uh, and, and we pray for the days that she's going to school. Lord, I pray for the days when she gets her license, when she graduates, goes to college, when you call her for the career that you have for her in her life, God but most importantly, we pray for the day and time when she comes to know you as Lord and Savior of her life. God, we pray even now for her salvation, that you convict her of her sins and draw her to yourself, that she may know you as Lord and Savior of her life, God. We pray not only for her physical development and her growth and her career and her uh, school days and all those kind of things, but God, most importantly, we pray for her spiritual development, for her salvation, for this household to praise you as Lord and Savior of their lives, God, and I pray that you protect her from this world around us. Lord, I pray that you protect her from Satan himself who's always looking to uh, destroy and to kill and to steal. And Lord Jesus, we just pray that you set her aside for your work, for your will, and for your way, God. We ask you to use her for your glory, for your power, for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this miracle of life. We thank you for, your de- for all that you've done, but God, we know... <laughs> You're not done yet. And we thank you even now for the work that you're going to do in the days going forward. In the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Michael.
2: All right, yes. That is baby number one hundred and twenty four. Uh, here over the past year. Yeah, yeah, if you're keeping count, that is. No, that we have been blessed. Oh my gosh, tremendously! How wonderful God's been to us with all these babies, and uh, just uh, you know, is, I'm. Has I'm, anybody got named their kid middle name Rosebauer yet? I mean, that would be such an honor. You, hey, we're close, right? Yeah, we did Rose. Close, we did Rose. yeah. <laughs> so no, it is awesome, and we're we're so we're excited that you guys, you guys are here. We got to be part of that, and and I do just cont- uh, continue to ask you to continue to pray for them. Uh, all of our young parents, pray for them. Pray that God will guide them and direct them and bring these kids up in church and in the, his word and, and that they will come to know him one day and, and just it, how awesome that is. All right, well, hey, it is focal uh, verse time, right? Everybody got their verse? Hey, all right. Okay, I didn't bring my glasses, so we're going to do a little trombone here. But uh, here we go. This is uh, Psalms 24, verses 7 through 10, and it reads. "'Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in.'" Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory." And that's who we're here today to worship. You know, we mentioned last week that this, this particular verse, the, the, the Jewish nation had kind of adopted it after David had written it. David wrote it for the commemoration of the Ark of the Covenant bringing, coming into the city of Jerusalem. But the, the, uh, the Jewish nation, they adopted it as a form of worship, and they would use it, it's been said, that on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, this is the, the psalm they would use to worship with. And if you think about that, this was about the time that Jesus... Was coming, in to the, uh, was coming into the city of Jerusalem on the last week of his life here on earth. Uh, so they could have very well been using the same verse, the same psalm, to worship the Holy One coming in, and they didn't even realize it, didn't even know it. So it's not much of a stretch, uh, but it's, it's possible. So uh, we're going to begin with it as well as we worship. So be thinking on this, be praying over this, and hopefully you know the King of Glory as well. So open your gates, open your door, open your heart, and let him come in today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the many blessings of the day. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, I thank you for all of our our young families, our parents, our little babies. And Lord, uh, we we just pray a special blessing over them and ask God that you will continue to be with our parents and guide them and, and direct them as they raise their families. Lord God, we, thank, we pray for this time of service we pray, as we continue in worship and as we get ready to take up the offering, as we get to worship you by giving back what you have given to us. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for uh, just, we thank you for our children's church as they're getting ready to leave. We thank you for our nursery as they're already in there. Uh, and they're, going, they're worshiping as well in their own way we thank you for our worship team. We thank you for Justin, Brother Justin as he comes here shortly. Lord, I just pray a special blessing over him and ask that you anoint him and use him in a mighty way today. But Lord, I pray that you will stir our souls in such a way that we'll leave here changed. And we'll go out in this world and be that witness and that example for you. And we pray all this in the precious, wonderful name, of your son, Jesus. Amen.
0: All right, this next one we're singing. This is the song of the month the name of it this is amazing grace as you sing these words and you uh, meditate on the message just be so thankful of god's amazing grace on your life and he's got that for all of us whether you're a believer or unbeliever he's he's waiting patiently right now for all of us to come to know him so let's all stand and let's sing this is amazing grace
3: in all and wonder the king of glory the king above all king this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who dwells the nations with truth and justice. Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love.
0: Amen. All right, kiddos, it is time for you kids to go to children's church. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you honor and glory and praise this morning for being the King above all kings. Lord, we trust you. We put our faith in you. We know that you are sovereign over all things. Lord, we know that you are our living hope. Lord, I pray this morning as we come into your house, Lord, that we're ready to hear a word from you, that we want to hear your voice speak into our lives. Lord, we want to see you work in our lives. And Lord, we know that you will. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be soft to your word. Lord, I pray that our spirits would be encouraged today. Lord, I pray for Brother Justin. I pray for wisdom for him as he leads your people, this church. And Lord, as he preaches from this pulpit, the words of your holy word. Lord, we just lift you up this morning and thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, that you give us that we don't deserve. Help us to realize how, how little we deserve, Lord, and how great you are to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
1: joy it is to be in the house of the Lord with each of you this morning. We thank you for your presence, your attendance in God's house to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Esther chapter 4. We'll begin reading together in verse 1. So Esther chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to jump back into our study of the book of Esther. Um, But before we do that, I want to share a couple of things with you. Um, The first thing I want to share with you is thank you so much for your prayers while I was away. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I was able to do the race in Ironman on September 25th, and then we had fall break vacation to the beach, and so I thank you. Uh Uh-oh, Howie broke it. I'm blaming Howie. Is that okay if I blame you? Um, But uh, we thank you for your prayers while I was away. uh I was able to complete my race, and it was only by your prayers I was able to do that. Um, We was in Chattanooga, and it was Ironman 144.6. The swim was just like I told you. It was a down-current swim, so I was able to finish that in like 54 minutes. Um, So I was really excited about that. It means it's a high current. Uh, It was wetsuit legal, which means you get to put this wetsuit on. That allows you to float a little bit better. It allows you to swim a little bit faster. And so as wetsuit legal, um, and number two, I was, I was able to fit in my wetsuit, so that's good because I hadn't tried it on since last year. i worried about that, but I got in um, and I swam 54 minutes, um, so that was good. About an eight-minute transition, and then on the radar, it called for a little bit of rain that day for about a 30-minute window is what it said. But all in all, if it did rain, it's a 50-50 chance. If it did rain, it was only going to rain a quarter inch. And so, hey, that's going to work. It'll be okay. Uh, so I get on my bike, and about mile 6, it starts to sprinkle. And then by mile 10, it begins to absolutely pour down rain. And, um, and I'm thinking in my mind, this is only going to last 30 minutes. It'll be okay. Just put your head down 30 minutes. Um, 30 minutes comes and 30 minutes goes and it's still torrential downpour with sideways winds and I'm thinking what in the world this is more than a quarter inch of rain right and so from mile six to mile 105 it was absolute downpour rain (laughs) and I've only ridden in the rain like 15 minutes of my entire life. I don't know anything about riding in the rain. Like, I'm thinking, like, we're going through these really deep puddles on the road, and I'm like, are we going to hydroplane? I'm not sure. But, hey, if you need to know, road bikes just slice right through the water. It don't hydroplane. It's good to go. Uh, But we was able uh, to make the first—there's a two-loop course. The first loop, I kind of took it slow, trying to get my bearings with the rain and the wind and the riders and all that kind of stuff. On the second loop, I was able to speed up a little bit. Mile 65, I hit a beer can, and I was really worried about that because— now I've run over the little skinny tires. I've run over aluminum that will probably cause a flat. Fortunately, somehow, by the grace of God, it didn't cause a flat. Um, and then on mile 105, the sun comes out, bright sun, and it comes up to 91 degrees just in time for me to start running. I was like, dear Jesus. But I was off the bike, because, and then that meant everything was all in well in the world at that point. So off the bike, and I was on the run. My goal for the run was not to walk for more than 90 seconds at a time. I can walk as much as I want, but not for more than 90 seconds at a time, and I'd have to run for at least a minute before I walked again. I was able to reach my goal. I only walked through that, well, there's three hills that are really large. Like around here we have hills. I call this a mountain, okay? There was three hills that were more like mountains that had names. It was Barton Avenue that had this hill. It's known as Barton's Hill. Um, So my game plan for those was to walk up them because I was just going to waste energy if I'm trying to run up that and it was going to kill me. So I did walk those and I walked through the aid station, but I never walked for more than 90 seconds at a time And and my marathon took me 5 hours and 37 minutes. It took me a really long time to do that. But I finished my day on 13 hours and 27 minutes, which is, my goal was 14 hours. Anything under 14 hours meant it was a really good day. So, at all in all, it was a really good day. It was so, um, it all went really well. I felt well. The recovery went well. Uh, Thank you for your prayers while I was away. And, like, since it went so well, I really think I should do one more. (laughs) Just one more. (laughs) Well, just one more. I, I, it's getting better as we go. Kendra does not approve of that. (laughs) Number two, I want to share with you. I'm so thankful for Michael and Andrew and Dan for filling in for me while I was away. They did an amazing job. I was able to tune in by Facebook. Not while y'all are in service, but later, and I, for, first of all, I'll tell you, it's not the same <laughs> being at church on Facebook, right? When you're watching it on Facebook, it's not the same, but I was able to at least listen to messages, listen to songs, things like that, and they did an amazing job, and I'm so thankful for them filling in while I was away. We have so many good and godly leaders at Rosebar Baptist Church that we are tremendously blessed with young men and older men that are good and godly leaders that we should thank the Lord for every day. We are tremendously blessed here at Rosebire by all of these leaders, and we are so thankful for them because God has been gracious and God has been kind, and he's allowed them to be in our church at this moment and this time, and we just need to give God praise and glory for that because that is not the case with every church you go to, I promise that promise that. And we're so thankful for these men and the ways that they have filled in and for their families as well. And so thank you guys for filling in while I was away. Thank you for allowing me to be gone. But now we're going to jump back into our study and the book of Esther. I'm going to do a little bit of recap just in case you've slept since the last time we've looked at Esther, uh, the book of Esther. If you remember in Esther chapter 1, it began with King having this really big party. The king likes party, right, Ahasuerus? He likes parties. He has this big party. He has a little bit too much to drink. And then he commands his wife Vashti to come and parade herself around for everyone to see how beautiful she was. And Queen Vashti does what any reasonable person would do, but she says no. And the king has never had anyone tell him no. And so he don't know what to do. And, and while she says no, one of his buddies leans over and says, if I was you, I wouldn't put up with that. If I was you, I would let her know who is the head of the house. If I was you, I'd tell you what I would do. I'd get rid of her. And so the king dismisses his wife because she disrespected him and said no to his command. And so now he's without a wife, he's depressed, he's lonely, and one of his buddies comes up to him again and gives him an idea and says, Hey, what you need to do in order to find a new wife, I know you're miserable, I know you're sad, and what you just need is a new wife get a new wife everything will be happy and you'll you'll find joy again and so the way you need to find a wife is you need to have this contest invite all of the virgins and all the ladies of all the provinces to come and the most beautiful one you find you can choose her as your wife the king likes this idea and so he has this beauty contest and there's a a girl by the name of esther that is taken to be placed in this contest Esther is a Jewish orphan who has been raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. Esther is absolutely beautiful, is what the Bible says. That she is beautiful, and she overwhelms the king by her beauty, and the king selects her to be his bride. Esther becomes the queen of all of Persia. She is now the queen. And now what we remember about Mordecai, her cousin, And Esther is at this time, they're outside the land that God had given them. They are away from God and they're in disobedience to God. And now Esther is marrying a pagan king. The people of God who stayed back in captivity and didn't go to rebuild the temple of God, they are not in a good spot in the history of God's people. But then we're introduced to a man named Haman. Haman is an evil and wicked man. He is promoted to the second in command of all of Persia. Mordecai is angry that he wasn't promoted, and he decides he's not going to bow down to Haman. Not in worship of, but respect of. I'm not respecting this guy. I deserve the position because remember Mordecai is the one who unraveled the plot to have the king assassinated. He ultimately saved the king's life, and the king didn't do anything to reward him or even recognize him. And so he's kind of put off that Haman, who didn't do anything for this position, got promoted into it while he saved the king's life and he didn't get promoted. So Mordecai says, I'm not going to bow down to this guy. He don't deserve to be bowed down to Who is he? This makes Haman angry. <laughs> It makes Haman angry, so angry that he don't want to just kill Mordecai, but he wants to kill all of Mordecai's relatives. Anyone that is kin to or connected to Mordecai, he wants to have him killed. So he comes up with this plan, and this plan is to get the king to sign off on a decree to kill off all of the Jews, to annihilate all of the Jews off, uh, out of the provinces, and off of the land. So Haman goes to the king, and he don't, he's not completely forthright with the king. Remember that? He just says, hey, there's a certain group of people that they're kind of revolting against you. They're not following the rules. He kind of lies about it. And he doesn't ever tell them it's the Jews. He just says there's a group of people. And he says, how about we get rid of these group of people, and I give you the money that they have in their possessions as payment to you. It's going to be good for you, king. This was speaking the king's language, Ahasuerus. He likes power, and he likes money. And so he signs off on the decree to have every Jew in the land killed and exterminated. To annihilate the Jews on a certain month, on a certain day. And it says the decree went out, and all of the people in Shushan were left absolutely devastated because they were given a death sentence. That if they were a Jew and they worshipped God, that they were going to die on this certain month and on this certain day. That's where we left off in Esther chapter 3. And so now this morning, we're in Esther chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand to your feet when we honor the reading of God's word? Verse 1, it says, When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was a great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Stop there just for a moment. Now remember, Mordecai and Esther have been a Jew in hiding, in secret only. They haven't told anyone that they're a Jew. Mordecai even told Esther, don't tell no one you're a Jew. But now, when he's going into mourning, sackcloth and ashes, now he's making it public that he is a Jew and that he ultimately follows God. That's what he's saying. Verse 4. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, And the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, and he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathach and one of the king's eunuchs whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathach went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in the front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay in the king's treasury to destroy the Jews." He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, that he might command her to go to the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for the people. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these thirty days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish." So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we pray by the power of your spirit that you'll speak to the hearts of this, your people. We pray your blessings upon this reading of your word. And we pray that you bind Satan from this place. And God, I pray that you would use this word to transform our hearts and make us more like you even today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. There is so much going on in even this short chapter. We see, first of all, just what I mentioned there about Hamlet. Uh, this is his first identification with the Jews. He's been hiding that he's a Jew. He's told Esther to hide that she's a Jew. But now he comes into mourning, ultimately becoming public that, uh, that he is a Jew. And then Esther hears about it, and so he's in sackcloth and ashes, and she sends clothes for him to change his clothes and then come and tell her what's going on, and he refuses to close. Part of the reasons why he refuses to close. See, what was going on here is you couldn't come into the king's presence with anything but good news. (laughs) And for him to be in sackcloth and ashes, that's meant mourning, sadness, something's wrong. And so he was not allowed to come into the king's gate and to go into Esther with his sackcloth and ashes that he had on. So she sends him clothes to change into, and then says, change into these clothes and come to me, tell me what's going on, and he refuses to close. Because your thing is, like, it says that, remember, later on in the verses, it said that not only he was in sackcloth and ashes and mourning, but all of the Jews were in sackcloth, ashes, and mourning. And what he was saying, for me to change my clothes would mean something has changed that actually there's a reason not to mourn anymore. And that would not be the case. I'm still more. It's starting to pick traction up, like... um. It, it, this, is, uh, this is, let me try to think of the best way. The, everyone together is in, in sackcloth and ashes and mourning, and they are together in this sadness and this sorrow of protest to the decree that has been sent out from the government. And he says, I'm not changing because nothing has changed. And so it, then she sends a unit to go and say, tell me what's going on. <laughs> and then he sends for her the word that ultimately tells them about the decree that went out. So in this passage, there's two things that I want you to notice. The first thing I want you to notice is a fearful response. A fearful response. Uh, Let me... When you hear bad news, how do you respond? Do you respond with panic or prayer? Do you respond with panic, fearful hesitancy or do you respond with prayer to god the father who is in power and has power over all things and let me share with you we're going to kind of tail around to this at the very end but the idea is the answer to that question how do you respond with panic and fear the answer to that question the way you respond is how you've been discipled to respond how you've been trained to respond if prayer is not important to you it's not a part of your daily life. Reading God's Word is not a part of your daily life. Um, spiritual disciplines are not part of your daily life. I assure you that when you hear bad news, your first response is panic, and it's not prayer. Yeah, you will pray in a desperate type of way, but in the moment when you hear bad and scary and death sentences news, you will respond with panic, fear, and you will go and t- want to talk to other people. But if you've been discipled. As a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. To understand the importance of praying on a daily basis. Getting into God's word on a daily basis. Seeking God's face on a daily basis. In the moment, in the time, when you are given a death sentence from this world. Your immediate response and action will be. To turn to the Lord God in prayer. To seek His face. And to seek His word for what He has in store for you. That's why discipleship is so important. Because in the hard times of your life, this is how you're going to respond. In the ways that you've been trained to respond. And the way a Christian is to respond is much different than the way that the world will respond. The world will respond in chaos, confusion, and running in a chaotic fashion. The way that a believer will respond is not out of fear, but out of prayer and seeking the face of God. Alright? And so that's the way we are to respond when we're hit with difficult, tragic, and even death sentences in our life. And I want you to know this morning, this text has spoken to me in a most powerful way This week, and I pray that it speaks to you in a powerful way, and it will. If I mean, I've heard the story, and I've read the story, and I know the story of Esther so many times, but God uses His Word to speak to our lives even when we think we know the Word. He will use it to speak to your life, and the Spirit of God will use it to usher in a new sense of freshness and calling on your life like no other time in your life. And so, I, one of the things I want you to think about as we walk through this text together, what is it in your life that you are passive about that God is calling you to be active? What is it that you are passive about that God is calling you to be active on? There's two things in my life that God made that clear. Number one was discipleship. Like, yes, I'm very active in discipleship. I understand the importance of discipleship. I'm wholeheartedly in discipleship. But so many times I'm passive on it. When God is calling me to be active, to push it, to to make sure that the hearts and the the lives of people understand the importance of discipleship and to be trained to seek the face of God on a daily basis because of where we're going, we're going to need it on a daily basis. The second thing God's made it clear in my heart is this, is evangelism. So many times I've been passive on sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ when the thing he's called us to do the most is to go and make disciples of all nations, to open our mouth and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so many times I've been passive. So many times. It was just, I, This year I'm helping with the Grace County basketball team and um, we were running sprints. And some of the kids don't like sprints. I don't know if you like sprints, but they don't like sprints. And there's a little kid, there's not a little kid, but a young man named Ian. And he kind of come in and said, hey, every time I see you, you got a smile on your face. What is it in the world do you have to smile about all the time? You know, he just got done running a mile as hard as he could, so he didn't have nothing in his life to smile about, want to know. And I wish I could stand here and told you that my first response yeah. is because I know Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life, and He gives me the greatest joy in my life, and I can't help but smile. But on that moment, in yeah. that day, with the busyness of the day, I didn't respond in that way. I was passive, and I just told him about. Man, just got a lot of good things going. It's good. Just glad to be here. All that kind of stuff. Pretty day. A lot to be smiling about. And the Lord convicted me in my life about me being able to be active on sharing the gospel of Christ when he gives us so many easy opportunities to share the gospel. And I've become passive. Fortunately, guess what? I get to practice with that kid every day almost. And I got to go back and I got to tell him, I said, end yesterday you asked me. What was there to smile about? And i got to tell you the truth. And i got to tell you it's because I know Jesus as Lord and Savior in my life. And that now I have this peace and this joy in my life. No matter what's going on, I can smile. Not because things are good, but because I know Jesus and He is the one who sits on the throne. And even though things are bad, He can use all things for your good. But so many times, I don't have that opportunity to follow up and be... So those are two ways that the Lord is speaking in my life. And I pray that you can see it even in this passage. Get this. The King... Signs off this plan to exterminate, annihilate the Jews. And the Persian Empire, you can't just rescind a law. Like once the law goes out, it's decreed to happen. It is as if it has happened. You don't just say, oh, it's my bad, take that back. You can't change the law. Once it's been hoarded, it has been decreed. It's going to happen. And so Mordecai sends a message to Esther the queen. Look at verse 8. It says, so it was that when the king's commanded decree was heard, and when many young men were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, wrong. <laughs> Verse 8, he also gave him a copy uh, of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, that he might command her to go to the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. Get this, the first thing I want you to notice, Esther doesn't even know the decree has went out. You notice that? She don't even know it. She is in the palace. <laughs> she is there where all the decisions are made and all of the things go out from, and she's there, and she don't even know that the decree has went out. So number one, one of the takeaways for us is this: don't always assume that the people maybe your boss knows everything that's going on, or maybe in church that the pastor knows what's going on. Something's going on. Don't assume, well, Justin knows. No. How do you know unless you tell me? Or you tell your boss? Or you tell whoever is in charge and that kind of thing. She didn't even know that it was going on. So never assume that someone knows. Go and tell them. Open your mouth and share. So Mordecai does that. He speaks to Esther. And he basically says, now's the time to open your mouth. Tell the king you belong to the people whom he condemned to die. But notice how Esper responds to the message from Mordecai. Look at verse 11. It says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he is but one law, put all to death, except of the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for 30 days. Get this. She says, I can't help y'all. That I feel bad for y'all. This is a really bad deal. This is not fair. This is not right. But there's nothing I can do for you. Nothing I can do for you. You see, you don't just go to the king. In order to see the king, you must be summoned by the king. And Esther says, I haven't spoken to the king in 30 days. He hasn't called me in 30 days, which first and foremost gives us a real good insight into their marriage. This is not some good, godly, Christian marriage. That they're singing together, praising God together, that they're talking together. She hadn't seen him in 30 days. He has moved on from her. He has found him a new harem, a new girl that he is occupying his time. And he's moved on from her. And what she says is, I really hate the predicament you find yourself in right now, but there's really no way I can help you. She says, don't you realize the reason why I'm queen is because the other queen didn't obey the law, which is to obey the commands of the king. And she was done away with. And if I don't obey the law, he could have me killed. She doesn't recognize why she is there in the palace. Here she is, living large as queen. She's living in a palace. She has servants. She has wealth. And she knows to go to the king to tell the king that she is a Jew would jeopardize all that she has, all of the wealth, all of the good things that she enjoys and the servants. And so she says, I'm sorry, Mordecai. But I can't help you. Her response was a very fearful response, and she's only thinking about herself. She cannot think about the 1 to 15 million Jews that are in the provinces. She is only thinking about herself, her safety, and her fear. That's Esther's heart, that's Esther's attitude. Then Mordecai responds in this way look at verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. You see, she felt like she was in the king's palace and she was safe. She thought she was in a place where nothing would happen to her. But Mordecai rightly tells her, don't think just because you're living high and mighty that this decree will not catch up with you. For you are a Jew just like me. You are a Jew just like all these others that's going to be done away with, that are going to be killed. And just because you're living in the palace doesn't mean you're safe. Verse 14. For if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you've come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai, her father figure, in no uncertain terms, tells her, although God has blessed you and has put you where you are, it doesn't mean he needs you. (laughs) And that sounds horrible at first, maybe even the way I said it, But I want you to see the truth in this passage because what is true for Esther is true for every one of us as believers. Every one of us in this room this morning, God has blessed us and God's desire is to use us for His glory, for His kingdom. He has a plan to use us. He has a purpose to use us. But if we refuse to be used by God, we refuse to obey the commands of God, then He has another route that He will take. Because man cannot thwart the purposes and the promises of God. So if He's calling us to go and to do and be active and not be passive, if He's calling us and we refuse to obey, then He will use another to do what He's called you to do, and you will miss out on the blessings that He has for you in this life, but not only in this life, but in heaven. We're going to see this in just a moment. What the Bible is very clear about is that when we get to heaven, there will be rewards passed out by our faithful obedience. And when we have been passive, when he's called us to be faithful, when we have been passive and when he's called us to be obedient, that when we get to heaven, he's going to be passing out rewards. And there's going to be many of us who were passive instead of obedient that won't have the rewards that he wanted for us because we disobeyed his call. He has a purpose for us. He has a plan for us. He wants to use us. But if we refuse to be used by God, we will miss out on the blessings that he has in store for us. Mordecai tells Esther, the reason why you were placed in this kingdom, there is a reason why you were placed in this kingdom. There is a reason why the king selected you. There is a reason that God has blessed you. There is a reason to advance the purposes of God and to deliver the people of God. And, it's, and what is true for Esther is true for every single child of God. Each of us has been placed where we are in this moment, in this time, for a purpose. There is nothing God does in our life that doesn't have a purpose. And that fuels me. I don't, that excites me. I love purpose, meaning, value. That's what is right up my alley. And that's what we learn in Scripture is that there's no time on earth that you're placed in a place for no reason. He is using every circumstance, every detour, every delay, every diagnosis for a purpose. There is no pain that is without a purpose. He uses it all. He uses it all for His glory and our good to advance His kingdom and His divine purposes. So what that means is we have been blessed to be a blessing. We as individuals and we as a church, we have been blessed to be a blessing. And we want to to bless others as we have been blessed. That is, a blessing is enjoying, experiencing, and extending God's goodness. And don't miss that last part. If you take God's blessing and just hold on to it, you become selfish with God's blessing in your life, and you don't extend it, and you don't share it, then you're going to lose your ability to be used by God. The blessing of God is given to us to be a blessing to others. That yes, it is a blessing to us that we enjoy. Yes, it is a blessing to us that we experience. But it's also given to us that we may extend the blessing of God to another. That is part of our vision statement, right? Equip, uh, establish hearts. Equip homes. Extend hands. That's what it means, is extend the blessings of God to a lost and dying world. <laughs> the blessings of God that has come to us share with a lost and dying world. At Rosebar Baptist Church, we've done that in so many ways, but here recently, one of the ways that we've done that is we've taken a bus that we haven't used very much, and we gave it to a church who is in need that is using it on a weekly basis right now. That is one way we have been blessed by God that we've extended and shared with another. That is one way that Rosebier has been a blessing to another. And that's just one way. We've done that in many different ways with non-profit organization ministries, with Build-A-Bed ministries, with uh, Starfish ministries, with uh, Hope Unlimited ministries, with the church plant in Staunton, Illinois, with the church plant in Alton, Illinois, with the church plant in Mayfield, Kentucky, with the community center there, with a community kitchen here in Paducah, with uh, with the uh, SBC, the IMB, we send out this. We're so excited about that. We're sending away over 20% of every dollar that comes and we're able to send out for God's glory to be a blessing to another because we have been blessed. Verse 16 says this. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for more, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maid and I will fast likewise and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther says, fast for me. What that means is to give up something For a spiritual purpose. Most of the time they mean food here. Today it can mean different things. But go and fast. Give up something for a spiritual purpose. And she says I will go to the king. And if I perish. I perish. And Mordecai goes and does all that Esther commands. That is where our scene ends for the day. In Esther chapter 4. But there's a few. Takeaways I want to share with you. So first we see a fearful response, a hesitant response by Esther. And in this fearful response, I want to give you a faithful reminder. A few faithful reminders that were, that were really pointed out to me in this passage this week is that, that Scripture is clear. There's coming a day when the Lord will pass out rewards in heaven for faithful service and some believers will miss out on the rewards in heaven and the blessings on earth because they were fearful rather than faithful. May we not waste our time on planet Earth being fearful rather than faithful. When our God, who loved us so very much, who sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die in our place for our sins, He was so willing to give up His one and only righteous Son so that we may have life, may we be willing to be faithful and obedient to Him. Which leads to the next one. Is there something in your life that God is calling you to be active? You're passive right now. You see it. It's clear. You know the calling of the Spirit that's on your life that He's pushing you to. And you're passive on it. Maybe there's something that you see that no one else sees. Maybe it's in our church. Maybe it's in our community. There's something that you see that's being overlooked. There's something you see that is being left out. There's something you see is and neglected. Maybe that is the call of the Spirit of God on your life, showing you you need to step up and fill that void that is evidently there. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in the community. What is he, What do you see that he's laid on your heart that we're missing? What are we missing? Maybe he's calling you to it. What does God have for you to do right where you are? What is needed, get this, is not our full knowledge, but our full obedience. What is needed when God is calling us, we don't have to know all the ins and outs. We don't have to know the way all the things are going to go or what he fully expects. All we need to know is that he's calling us and here we are, God, and I'm stepping this direction and I know that you're going to take care of the rest. All I know is this is your call. This is where you're drawing me to. And I'm stepping out in faith to follow you. She commanded them to fast and pray. This is the turning point in both Mordecai and Esther's life. Up until this point, there had been no mention of prayer. No mention of seeking God's face. No mention of devotion. No mention of following God. It has only been a self-serving and self-pleasing life for Mordecai and Esther to this point, as far as we can tell, in the book of Esther. But here is when their hearts and their attitudes begin to change. Here we see fasting and prayer. And and then as we see fasting and prayer, we see their attitudes begin to shift. But it's not only their attitudes that begin to shift, but it's also their actions. Their actions. they are shifting from disobedience to God's call to obeying the call of God that is on their life. What is it that God has impressed on your heart that is leading you to this morning that you've been passive about, that you've been hesitant about, That you've been fearful about? Has it been sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Has it been discipling others and being discipled yourself? What is the call of God on your life that you're so fearful about? That you're so in your mind saying, I can't do that because. God's call in our life is not to know, but to obey. obey the call of God in our life that he may have his will and his way let us pray Lord we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time together in your house with this your people Lord we thank you for this word (laughs) We thank you for this book Lord and we pray now you know the hearts and the needs of this your people You know all that is going on and all of the anxiety and the stress and the difficulties. You know the passive nature we have fallen into at times in our life. And Lord, I pray that you help us to be not passive, but active. Help us to not be fearful, but obedient. Lord, I know that we have healthy concerns and healthy fear at times, but Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of your Spirit that you'll give us the ability to walk in obedience and that as we do, you'll give us great peace and great confidence in the direction you have us to go. And Lord, we even give you praise, honor, and glory now. Lord, thank you for your call. Thank you for the direction. Thank you for your clarity. Lord, thank you for uh, constantly using us for your glory and for your kingdom, God. And I pray that you don't stop now, but may you continue to use us at Rosebar Baptist Church for your kingdom that you get the glory and honor you deserve. Lord, if there's one here today that their fearful response has been obeying the call of salvation that you have on their life. Lord, if there's one here that is far from you, that is not obeying you, that is not acting in faith. God, I pray that today would be the day that they'd repent of their sins and they'd place their faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray today for salvation in your house. And Lord, I pray for the ones that don't know you. God, I pray that you would burden our hearts at Rosebier Baptist Church for a lost and dying world. Lord, I pray that you would bring us to our knees, that we would cry out to the only one that has the power of salvation, which is you, God, our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that you bring us to our knees, that we cry out to those who don't know you. Lord, even today, help us to pray for those that are lost. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet and respond in a way that's pleasing to the Lord?
3: All to Jesus of silence.
1: Thank you so much for coming and joining us today in this day of worship as we worship our Lord. A few announcements for you and then we will be dismissed. A reminder, our small groups next Sunday night from 5 to 7, come and join us. We have a meal at 5, classes at 6, a place for your children. So next Sunday night, October 16th, is our small groups. And then also next Sunday morning begins our Boys and Girls Extreme Sunday School class. This is for ages 1st through 6th grade. Um, We're going to be meeting upstairs. We're going to be learning about the gospel. And so I want to invite you, uh, if you have children through that age, please get them here for the next six weeks, as you can see there. uh, We're going to be looking and taking a deep dive into the gospel, understanding what that is, memorizing scripture. It's going to be good. And so I want to invite you to come and uh, have your children here for uh, beginning next week, October the 16th. And then on October the 21st, Jeff Holland's Sunday School class will have uh, a fellowship On October 21st at 6 p.m., this is at Jeff and Terry Hollins. Uh, You'll see the address there. Sign-up sheet is in the Sunday School Room. Chili and hot dogs are on the menu. And then Trunk or Treat, October the 28th from 6 to 9 p.m. This is at the Reedland Farley Ballpark. Uh, Donation individually wrapped candy are in boxes in the back. We do need some cars to be willing to, um, to decorate and to be part of this Trunk or Treat. Uh, That is October 28th. For more information, please see Michael Woolley. And then we have a wedding shower for Jacob Lockett and Raleigh Story, held on 1.30 uh, afternoon, October 16th at Pleasant Grove Methodist Church. Uh, They are registered at Amazon uh, for gift cards and Lowe's, Tractor Supply, and Walmart. Um, And so we're excited for them, and we want to help celebrate their special day uh, for on October 16th as they are having a wedding Wedding Shower for Jacob and Raleigh. If you'll stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed. Thank you so much for being here in God's house. I pray God's blessing upon you. Uh, Wednesday night, start back this Wednesday night. Uh, And so come and join us, 630 for our Awana and our youth. And then our adult Bible study is in the fellowship hall at 645. Um, And so come and join us as we continue in our study there. Uh, But God bless each of you. Uh, and we will be dismissed. Jimmy Ivey, would you mind leading us in a closing prayer?